What's up everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Da Vinci Cases. Alright, so this week we're going to go over a case that demonstrates how to use the history and physical exam to localize cervical spine lesions, and we'll also go over some cervical spine anatomy to help with that process. Alright, so the way this works is there's a clinical scenario with a board style question at the end of it. Before we jump in and answer the question, we're first going to go through the case, point out the relevant clinical findings, and then go through the relevant anatomy, and then use that to answer the question. So in this case, we've got a 67-year-old woman, so an elderly woman and she has persistent neck pain that's radiating down her right arm for the past six months. So neck pain, arm pain, you could be thinking about two things really, C-spine, so cervical spine, and the shoulder potentially. So let's keep going. The other thing is past six months, so this is not some kind of acute trauma. This is something that's been obviously bothering her for a long time. She also experiences intermittent numbness in her thumb and has difficulty lifting objects with her right arm. So again, this could be C-spine definitely with weakness in the right upper extremity, her pains on the right side, and then also numbness in her thumb could also be a part of a C-spine pathology. Shoulder could also definitely give you weakness, but not necessarily going to give you weakness in your hand. All right, so let's keep going. Physical exam, patient has 5 out of 5 shoulder abduction, so she's got good shoulder abduction. Doesn't necessarily roll out a shoulder pathology, but it makes us less suspicious. 4 out of 5 right elbow flexion. So again, this is corresponding to where her pain is on the right side, and then she has normal on the left side. Normal wrist extension on both sides, normal finger flexion on both sides. Now let's do the reflexes. She's got two plus biceps brachii reflexes bilaterally, so normal on both sides. However, she's got a one plus brachioradialis reflex on the right side, and it's normal on the left side. So this is a key exam finding here, hyporeflexia at the brachioradialis reflex. Triceps reflex is normal both sides. Pulses are 2 plus bilaterally. So that makes us less suspicious for a vascular pathology, such as an embolus or some kind of clot or even like a vascular thoracic outlet syndrome. She has decreased sensation over the right thumb. So that's consistent with what she's been telling us. It's also consistent because it's on the right side, which is where her weakness and hyporeflexia are. Her past medical history is relevant for hypertension and osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis could be giving some of those hand symptoms, but this has been going on for the past six months. It's also paired with some neck pain, some pain radiating down the arm, and then some uh, upper extremity weakness as well. So osteoarthritis in the hand isn't going to cause all of those other problems as well. Now this is a key here. Ice therapy and NSAIDs have not provided any relief. So that means this isn't just some kind of simple muscle strain in the shoulder or in the neck or she woke up after sleeping in, a, in an awkward position or something like that. It's been going, and plus it's been going on for six months. So the fact that these haven't really provided any relief tells us it's more complex pathology than that. So again, C-spine, shoulder. Now the thing that makes you less suspicious about a shoulder is say like if it was like a rotator cuff injury, well she'd have trouble reaching above grabbing objects off a shelf, trouble washing herself in the shower, getting dressed, things like that. And you don't really see any, anything like that described in the, in the stem here. The other thing is shoulder problems aren't going to really give you hyporeflexia or numbness in your hand. So that's another thing that makes you lean more towards C-spine than shoulder. The other thing is if you look at the answer choices, it's all cervical spine problems. So again, we can cross that out if you just use good test-taking strategy. So now if you look at the answer choices, they're asking essentially, you have some answer choices that are spinal stenosis, some that are disc herniation, and then they're really asking what level, what spinal level is the pathology at. So you got to figure out two things here, what the pathology actually is and then what level it's at. 
And so the first question is, is, is it spinal stenosis or a disc herniation? So let's, let's take a minute here and use this as a teaching point. So cervical spinal stenosis versus cervical disc herniation. So let's do a little drawing down here. You've got your vertebral body, you got your pedicles like this, your lamina like this, spinous process, transverse processes like this, spinal cord here in the center of the spinal canal, and then you have the spinal nerves exiting out through the, what's called the neural foramen. Now spinal stenosis is where you have narrowing of this spinal canal, and then you have impingement on the spinal cord itself, the spinal nerves here, you can also have narrowing of these neural foramina like this that are also considered spinal stenosis. Now you can have this narrowing of these foramina as an isolated lesion on both sides, or you can have where you have all of this. You have, you have narrowing of the spinal canal itself and narrowing of these foramina. Any combination is, is considered spinal stenosis. So again, the key here is compress the spinal cord and the spinal nerves bilaterally. Because of that, it's going to produce symptoms bilaterally, and that's the main differentiator as far as clinical presentation from cervical disc herniation because those are going to be unilateral. We'll talk about that in a second. So these patients are going to have neck pain, they could have some shoulder pain, they could have also arm pain usually. The thing is, is you're going to have what's called radiculopathy. So what radiculopathy is, is really impingement of a spinal nerve producing radiating pain down, down the arm. In the case of cervical spine, hyperactive or hypoactive reflexes. So let's talk about why, why you could have either one of these. So a spinal cord is a central nervous system structure, right? And then the spinal nerves are a peripheral nervous system structure. Now with central nervous, you're gonna have what's called upper motor neuron signs. And then peripheral nervous system, you're gonna have what's called lower motor neuron signs. Upper motor neuron sign would be hyperreflexia. Lower motor neuron sign is hypo reflexia. So you can see why you could have either one. If you just have spinal cord compression, you're going to have hyper. And that's actually what's a term that's called cervical myelopathy. And it really essentially just means compression of the cervical spinal cord. And it could be a number of things. It could be just due to degenerative disease like this. It could be due to a tumor, an abscess, any number of things. Now, the key thing here is that with cervical myelopathy is they're going to have upper motor neuron signs hyperactive reflexes. Now, if you have compression of the spinal nerves, say you have neural foramina stenosis on both sides, then you're going to have hypoactive reflexes on both sides. So again, you can use this to really pinpoint what's going on. Hyperactive upper motor neuron sign spinal cord, hypoactive reflexes is more indicative of a lower mo is lower motor neuron sign more indicative of peripheral nervous system spinal nerve. So they're also going to have muscle weakness because you're impinging nerves that are innervating muscles in the upper extremity, bilateral numbness, and then again, upper motor neuron signs potentially such as Hoffman's sign. Now a cervical disc herniation. So let's go over here again. Here's a vertebral body. Here's the pedicles, lamina like this, transverse processes, spinous process, spinal cord here. You've got the spinal nerves exiting like this through that foramina. And then remember, you have an intervertebral disc like this, and a disc herniation is when you have a breakdown of that structure, and it bulges out and impinges on a spinal nerve like this. And you can see where it's only affecting a spinal nerve on one side. And so as a result of that, you're going to get these unilateral symptoms. Again, you're going to have some neck pain, could have some shoulder pain, arm pain, unilateral radiculopathy. So you're going to have that pain radiating down the arm, but it's only going to be on the one side corresponding to where the disc herniation is. You're going to have hyporeflexia because it's a lower motor neuron sign because it's a spinal nerve or peripheral nervous system lesion. 
you're gonna have muscle weakness and numbness so let's go back to the stem here so let's look at what she's got she's got radiating pain down her right arm so it's on the one side she has weakness of elbow flexion but only on the one side she has hyporeflexia but only on the one side and then she's got decreased sensation over the right thumb on the right side so she's got radiculopathy on the right side, muscle weakness on the right side, hyporeflexia on the right side, and then decreased sensation on the right side. So I would say it's a disc herniation. Now if we go back to the question here, so we can cross off these three answer choices because they're spinal stenosis. Now you got to figure out what level is it at, what spinal level. So again, let's go to a teaching point here. So this table gives you physical exam findings that correspond to the spinal nerve that is impinged. So it gives you a sensory deficit, a motor deficit, and a reflex. So sensory, these would be called, these would be corresponding dermatomes. These would be myotomes. Myotome, dermatomes, just an area of skin that's innervated corresponding to a particular spinal nerve or spinal root. And then a motor or a myotome is a muscle group or a muscle function that corresponds to a spinal nerve. And then you can have a reflex that corresponds to a spinal nerve as well. As you can see here, there's two C8 and T1 that have no abnormal reflex. So let's zero in on our patient. We've got weak right elbow flexion. So if you see here on the chart, we have weak elbow flexion for C6. That's looking good so far. Then we've got a hyporeflexive brachioradialis reflex. So that's going to correspond to C6 as well. And then we've got decreased sensation over the right thumb. So again, that corresponds to C6. So the physical exam really points towards a C6 lesion. So let's localize the level that this lesion is at. So we'll do a little review here of spinal nerves and how they actually exit the spinal canal. So we'll go down here. This is the spinal cord like this. And this is a posterior view. This is the vertebral body. This is the pedicle. Now in the cervical spine, spinal nerves will come down and almost make a 90 degree turn just above the pedicle and exit. And the number spinal nerve corresponds to the number of the vertebra that it's exiting above its pedicle like this. So you have C5 exiting above the C5 pedicle. You have the C6 spinal nerve that comes here and exits above the C6 pedicle. C7 comes here like this, exits above the C7 pedicle. Now this is where things get a little different. So you have the C8 spinal nerve that takes the same path, comes down and makes that sort of 90 degree turn, but it's above the T1 pedicle because there's no C8 vertebra. Now this is where things change. So the T1 spinal nerve then goes below the T1 pedicle. And this pattern then continues throughout the thoracic spine and into the lumbar spine. So cervical spine, the spinal nerves exit above the corresponding pedicle. Thoracic and lumbar spine, the spinal nerves exit below the corresponding pedicle. So we have a C6 lesion. So you have a disc herniation right here that's going to impinge on the spinal nerve. It's going to be C5, C6. You can see here, if we go down here and it's a disc herniation at the C6, C7 level, it's going to affect C7. Same thing here, C7, T1 disc herniation, going to affect the C8 spinal nerve. So again, it makes sense. This is not, there's no way possible that a disc herniation at any other level could impinge on this C6 spinal nerve. So it's C5, C6 is the answer. So we come back to the answer choices. We can cross off spinal stenosis. So it's a disc herniation. What level is it at? We found out that it's at C5, C6, because that corresponds to the C6 spinal nerve, which is weak elbow flexion, decreased brachioradialis reflex, and then decreased sensation over the right thumb. Now, if it's a C4, C5, this is going to be a C5 spinal nerve. And what you're going to have is decreased sensation over the lateral shoulder. You're going to have a 
decreased biceps brachii reflex, and then you're going to have a weak shoulder abduction. So this patient doesn't really have any of that, so it's not that. And then you have at a C6, C7, this is going to be a C7 spinal nerve impingement. And for that, you're going to have decreased sensation over the middle finger, weak elbow extension, and then a hypoactive triceps reflex. So again, the patient doesn't have any of those. So that gives us our final answer, disc herniation at C5, C6, compressing the C6 spinal nerve. All right, that's all I have for you this week. Make sure you check back every Wednesday for new Da Vinci cases. And then to see the corresponding video for this audio, check out our website at dviacademy.com, where you can also find PDF notes for this audio as well. Also on our site, you can find our book and video packages for anatomy and biochemistry. You can also follow us on Instagram for weekly posts and video. And then lastly, if you have any questions about the content of this video or about DaVinci Academy, put them in the comments and our team will be sure to answer them. All right, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.